Go to Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to read, we're going to start in verse number 29, we're going to read all the way to the end. And it, it's about five or six verses, but just read, listen to, to these words as we, and follow along as we read. It says, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Wherefore his name was called Edom. Edom means, means the word red. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. As you look at this and you read this story, can you believe that someone gave their birthright up for a bowl of meals? That's amazing. It is this, a birthright for a bowl of beans. Sometimes we look at things and we devalue them that we should value. I was, I was referring, when I, when I thought about this, I was thinking about yesterday. We had the privilege of 20 of us went over to the Bush Bean Factory. And we had a good time there. But when you go through the Bush Bean Factory, you find out how much you weigh by beans. Amen? And I got on there and they said, please step off only one at a time. Amen? And I got on there and and I thought, Randy has told me that he weighs less than me, but I know he does now because I know how many beans he weighs and how many beans I weigh. And then I was devastated when I thought of something. Um, if you want to ask some, a funny question, ask Jim if he liked his dessert when we went there. We had a good time. He had a massive dessert. But when we were there, I, I, I noticed that um, Mark, raise your hand real quick. We have some visitors in here. Mark, Mark got up on the scale, and, and when he got up on the scale, I looked at it and I said, oh, my word. I'm, I weigh more than 100,000 beans more than him. Then I found out what Karen weighed bean-wise. And then I thought, you know, if both of them were carrying 5,000 beans with them, I weigh more than both of them with those extra 10,000 beans. So I'm going on the bean diet starting tomorrow, and I want to lose some of these beans. But we had a great time. But, you know, as you think about it, we, we, we joke about beans. But can you imagine your life being in, in, in just a dire strait? And we've all said this before. How many of you ever said, I am so thirsty? Or I am so hungry. I can't make it. If you've ever had children, they say that all the time. And you think, you don't even know what it's like not to have food, not to have water. And as you look at this story, let's go back again, and it says, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Go to verse number 31. And Jacob saw an, an idea, and he saw an opportunity, and Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. I don't know how, how he got so far out on that. I mean, you get to it, and he's talking about he wants some beans, and then all of a sudden he just fires back and says, Hey, give me your birthright. And why Esau didn't say, I'll go to a family member, I'll go someplace else, look what Esau says. And Esau said, behold, I'm about a point to die. Was Esau going to die? No, he was famished, he was hungry, he'd been working out in the field. He wasn't going to die. But he didn't have a value on what, what, what Jacob had on him. And he said, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. And just to show you Esau's thought process in verse number um, 34, it says, Thus Esau despised his birthright. J then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and he did drink. 
So here, birthright for a bowl of beans, for a, for a meal, whatever that meal might be in your life, is your life worth more than that? Absolutely it is. And I don't know if you want to do some study, and we're not going to get into it, but find out what the birthright meant in, in the Old Testament. It meant a lot. And he sells it for just a bowl of beans. But in our life, we've got to realize that there are some sowers and there are some reapers. And we're going to talk about sowing and reaping. And um, we've actually, and I, and I want to say this, I've not said it from this pulpit on Sunday, but we said it on Wednesday, we are changing the Hatfields and McCoys to the sowers and reapers. Some people got offended, and, and, I, and I, if, if I can fix it, I'm going to fix it. And I got offended by the Hatfields and McCoys. I've done it for 10 years, never had anybody offended, but if they're offended, I'm going I'm to make it right if I can make it right. If you make a mistake, you got to go back and fix it. So we're doing the sowers and the reapers. Next week, it's going to be red on one side and blue on the other side. And you'll, I don't know which one it's going to be. You'll have your names on the back wall and you'll have to sit on your side. If you sit on the wrong side, you will be counted for the other team. Okay? So you'll have to look and see if your name's not up there. You come see me. If I forget a name, it's not because I don't like you. Okay? Sometimes you forget things. Amen? We were, Tamara and I were just talking today how many times we go into a room and forget, what are we in here for? You know, it happens, okay? So don't get offended if I forget your name. And if I forget your name, you come see me, I'll put you on a team, okay? You make sure you come see me, all right? So we're going to do that, that. But I want to talk to you about reaping and sowing. Reaping and sowing. Anybody in here like flowers? All right, I know these two ladies up here like flowers. Okay, so I got you some bulbs. How many of you like bulbs? You like, you like to plant them? Okay, here we go. I'm going to give you these. These are yours. I'll talk to you in just a second about it, okay? All right. And these are yours, all right? She's looking at it, and she, all right. I just gave them, oh, this is wonderful. That's what I wanted you to do, all right? Because if you look at Priscilla's, Priscilla, hold yours up real quick so everybody can see it. What does it say on there? Tulips. Tulips. All right, go ahead. Raise yours up. What does yours say? <laughs> Do you think they're flowers? Oh, of, course. Oh, of course. All right. You know, when you put those in the ground, the tulips, what's going to come up? When you put yours up, you have no idea what's coming up. Amen? Because you know what? You're all planting. They're not the same, okay? She's looking to see if they're the same. They are not the same, all right? Do they even look the same? No. So they're different. Maybe if you're kind to me and your husband's kind to me, I'll tell you what they are after the service. But um, they're flowers that I think you would like. But you're going to plant something. How many of you notice our grass out here? We just did all that construction out there, and there was no grass about a day ago, Brother Shoop, and, or about three or four days ago. Then all of a sudden, boom, it's there. It's all up here, and, and, and I know that's rye grass. It'll burn up. That's what usually happens with that. But it's neat to see it grow. It's not that red clay. Amen. But you're going to sow, you're going to reap what you sow. And we're going to look at this a little bit today. When we think about reaping and sowing, you're going to plant something, it's going to grow, okay? But let's look at some things in our lives that, um, here's your tulips, but that's not what your flowers look like, all right? Um, what you plant is what you get. I don't know if you remember the time when they, they tried to make that one plant where it would make potatoes in the bottom and tomatoes on the top. Anybody remember that? And it never really worked out that great. 
Okay, and they've done the, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of going to Disney World, but Disney World does their irrigation different. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I think it's in the Epcot Center where you can go in there and you can see where the plants are actually growing in the air. And their, their roots are hanging down and the, wa- their, their roots go through water, water things and they constantly are moving. And it's amazing how they can grow things. But I want to tell you, what you plant is what you get. No one ever said, you know, I'm going to go plant some crabgrass in the front of my house. But it's going to show up. No one's ever going to say that, hey, I want to go grow some poison ivy in my, in my garden. It's amazing how things grow. When you're driving out of church today, just drive slow and look at the asphalt that they just planted, that they just, planted, they just put down. Because on the, the right side of that road, grass is growing through the asphalt. Peter was just, Pete was just Peter was saying to me, you, we need to spray that stuff. We have to kill grass where we don't want it. And where we want it, it won't grow. But when we look at it, what what you plant is what you get. But let me tell you, when we look at this, when it comes to reaping and sowing, your faith is a good example of reaping and sowing. It says, many times when Jesus was talking to people in the the, um, Gospels, he'd make this statement. He said, your faith has has made you whole. So what did they plant? They planted their faith, and their faith had made them all. Many people were, were actually healed because of the faith that they had. So faith is reaping and sowing. You want to grow your faith? Stretch your faith. Reap, go, sow it and sow it and sow it, and guess what? You'll reap that faith. Not only that, in the Bible, friends. You know, we're having friend day next week. <laughs> and I always go back to this. What's, that, what's the biggest, what's the verse that's always quoted about friends? A friend must show himself friendly. That is a reaping and a sowing. A reaping and a sowing. When I was growing up, I had the privilege of working when I was a high schooler. I worked and I, and I detasseled corn. I don't know if anybody knows even what detasseling corn is here. But if you've ever seen Pioneer seed corn and DeKalb, it is actually from what we would do. What you would do is you'd go down, they'd pick these cornfields, and you would go in and you pull the tassels off of five rows. And you would leave the tassels on two, and then you'd go to the next five, pull all the tassels, and then the two, and the five and the two. And what we were doing is we were making hybrid corn. It was cross-pollinating each other. And you'd have to go through and you'd have to pull those tassels off two or three times. And eventually what would happen is you'd get this corn that they would plant for, they'd get for seed corn. But we had to work the fields to get it done. A lot of high schoolers did that in Indiana. And so you'd work probably five or six weeks doing this. And you, we really didn't see what we were doing. We just knew if there was tassels on there, you can go to the top of a corn and you pull that tassel off and it'll make a little sound. It'll pull right out of that thing. And so we would work the fields, we'd get it going, and I didn't understand everything about it, but I did know what they, why they wanted us to do it. But what you plant is what you get. And if you want to be a friend, if you want to have friends, you've got to be friendly. You can't be really mean and think you're going to get good friends. Why are all my friends mean? This is what you need to reflect on that and say, why am I mean? Because you will develop those friendships that are like you. And as I think about this, uh, friends are very important to me. I've got some dear friends in this auditorium. But I want to have the right kind of friends also. We've got to realize that if I want the right kind of friends, I've got to be the right kind of friend also. So it's a reaping and a sowing. And this next one, you say, well, what does this have to do with it? Foes. Okay, when Jesus said this, he said, 
you should love your enemies. Why do you say that? Because if you treat your enemy like an enemy, they're always going to be your enemy. They're never going to go, hey, I'd really like to be their buddy. Hey, I'd really like to be their second word friend. But your, your example to this is your foes. If you want your foes to be not as bad a foe, love them and pray for them. You know another foe you have? It's right here. <laughs> some of the things we say, some of the things, we, the way we act, we can't figure out why we get what we get. If I take water and I take lemons and I squeeze them, I put some sugar in, and then all of a sudden I drink that, what's that called? Lemonade. Because you get what you put into it. And Jesus is always talking about this. We've got to increase our faith and we've got to understand we reap what we sow. Our friends, we reap what we sow. If, you, if you're in a situation and no one wants to help you out through it, no one ever says, I want to pray for you, you know what? Probably you've never said that to somebody else. Amen? And then you, then you watch and you see these people that, that go through a problem and, and people are just flocking to help them. Why? Because they've helped other people. A friend must show himself friendly. Well, I don't, that's just not how I was made. Then you won't have the friends that you need to have. And this world, is, this life is too short not to have friends. I always like it when people say, the church is not friendly. And they're usually scowling when they say that. And I've had that wherever we went. And I'm telling you what, I've been in some very friendly, I think this church is a very friendly church, but I've been in some, friendly, some churches that are friendly and people just walk in and you go, they're not going to fit in. Why? Because they look like they're mad at the world. And you know what? It's our responsibility to be friendly to people. If you want people to be friendly to you, you need to be friendly to them. And so we have all these things. And then when I think of, how many of you ever had a problem in your life? Okay. When you have a problem, and we're talking about reaping and sowing, there's always two questions I ask myself, Ray, when I look at my problems. And here are the questions. When problems come in your life, ask yourself two questions. I always ask this. The first one is this. What, what are you trying to teach me, God? See, normally when a problem comes, you know what we do? Why don't you get out of it? You know, the bishops right now are sitting in a problem, and they have no idea what it's going to cost them, what's going to happen. And he, and he texted me real late last night. He goes, I'm sorry this happened. I said, brother, there's nothing you can do unless you on purpose messed up your transmission. And I don't think you would do. Maybe Kelly would do that. I don't know. But I said, there's nothing you can do. What, what are you trying to teach me, God? You're going to go through problems. You're going to ask, what, am I gonna, what are you trying to teach me, God? And get to that question all the time. If something happens, you have a financial bill. Well, how in the, what are you trying to teach me, God? What do I need to know through this? Make me understand it. Because there's some problems I don't want to repeat. And there's some problems you don't want to repeat. So you've got to ask God, what are you trying to teach me through this situation? You know what the second question would be? Is this. What have I done? What have I done? If I have a child that has a bad attitude, is it partly my fault? What have I done? If things are happening and I don't understand them, what have I done? Because this last question is a question going back to reaping and sowing. You know, if someone's going to be mean to you, well, what have I done? I'm telling you, those, those two questions can answer all your problems, and you've got to figure out 
What, what God is trying to teach you and what have you done? Is this caused because of me or is this caused because God brought it into my life and made me different for it, trying to make me different? And those two questions will answer anything. Because when you have a problem, you know, sometimes I was, I was teaching out in, out in Hawaii and I was talking to, to them about teenagers and, and I had a big group of ladies in there and I said, listen, I said, you've got to realize this. When you talk to young people, teenagers and children, and they tell you they have a problem, you better listen to them. And don't ever get to the point where you say to them, oh, you're young, you'll get over it. Because their problems are just as big as your problems, it's just on a different degree. And we've got to get back to understanding people are having problems. If I, if I were to say this, how many of you have a problem? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you are going through a problem right now? Ask yourself these two questions. God, what are you trying to teach me? Is it something that I've done? You know, I, I, I've been... I've kind of teased about these photos of me driving through red lights. I don't like those. I've got two of them. I think one of them was my wife, but one of them was definitely me. And I, when I drive through it, it's almost like they're glad they wrote me this letter. I don't want any more letters from the police department. And so when I, when I think this, I go, man, I, can't, I don't think I ran through that red light. I think they're doctoring these pictures and making it look like I read through these red lights. But then I think to myself, how many times have I accidentally ran through a red light and not got caught? Sometimes you reap what you sow. And we go through all these things and we say, what, what, God, what are you trying to teach me? And what have I done? What have I done? Because the process of reaping and sowing is intertwined all the way through the Bible. I mean, all the way through the Bible. When Peter is walking on the water, he would have not sank if he wouldn't have gotten the water. He walked out there and he's reaping this. Then all of a sudden he looks, he looks away and he starts sinking and he has to have Christ help him up. We reap what we sow. Why do you think Lot, what happened to Lot's family? You want to talk about a devastating story? How can you get to the point where you do this to your children? Here, take them. These guys are staying in here. And then you can't figure out, well, well, why when they got in the cave, they did what they did? He was reaping what he had sown. And sometimes we sow some bad things. I want you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 126. While you're turning, there's a verse in the Bible that I, put up on, I want to put up on the screen. Job 4.8, it says, Even as I have seen... They that plow iniquity and sow wickedness repeat the same. When you plow iniquity, you're going to get, you're going to get wickedness. Repeat this, uh, reap the same. Now, let's go to the, this next verse, Psalm 126. I want you to see this. Psalm 126, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's a short chapter. Psalm 126 says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathens. The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth barren precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves from him. Go to verse number five, and it says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You know, sometimes right now, um, there's a situation that my wife and I are praying about and I've shed some tears over. 
It's a family issue that we have, we, we're dealing with. And, and, you know, sometimes you just go, what in the world? Why is this happening? Sometimes we don't understand everything. But you know what? God wants to see us serious. And so we've got to shed some tears over this and, and, and mean them. And then at the very end, hopefully it'll turn around. Sometimes we get in a situation, what do we do? What do we do? Well, the first thing you do is talk to the Lord and pray. Ask him, what are you trying to teach me? And what have I done? And if there's something I've done, I need to get it right. And if you're trying to teach me, Lord, show me what you want to try to teach me. We are going to reap what we sow. And I, I think this is a very interesting ver, um, chapter because you go to verse number two and it says, then, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. Then said they among the heathens, the Lord had done great things for them. Can I tell you this? Even the heathen notice what you're going through. They, they know what you're sowing. They know what you're reaping. So let's go to the one that everybody knows. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. When you talk about sowing and reaping, and this is trying to go on our theme that we're doing, sowing and reaping. And I want to say this. Invite a friend to come. Invite a neighbor, a family member, because they need to be in church. And it's our responsibility to sow them and, and water them and so that they can see that we're friendly here with our campaign starting up. But Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9, Jesus is talking to the people and he says, In the same day went Jesus out of his house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood in the shore. And he spake many things unto them in a parable saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And he's going to list four things on here that, the, that he's sowing the seed and he's talking about salvation, who God is and, and following God. The first one is found in verse number four and it says, and when he sowed, some f seeds fell by the si wayside and the fowls came up and devoured them up. These are people that don't understand. This is the wayside. The, it, it's there and the, and the birds just destroyed. They don't understand it. Now, verse number five is the stony ground. Some fell upon stony places when they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And you know, there's all these people that, that they'll receive what you're saying, but they've got this thing where everything, when you become a Christian, everything's going to be great. But can I tell you something? You're going to have some problems in your life. And look at the next verse. It says that these, these problems come, and if you're on stony ground, and when the sun was up, when they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Now the stony receive it, but they have problems come and they dry up and they die. Amen. Then you have the third one on the, on the thorns in verse number um, seven. It says, and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. The thorns are referring to the world. It destroys people. But praise God, if you go to the next one in verse number eight, but others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. You know what? We, we don't know when it comes to people, when it talks about harvest time, we don't know who's going to accept and who's not going to. Amen. But it's not our responsibility to do that. It's our responsibility to sow. It's our responsibility to sow. And it's our responsibility to tell, responsibility to tell people. They might be somebody in the stony ground. They might be somebody on the wayside. They might be somebody with the thorns. But praise God, there's always some that fall on good ground. And aren't you thankful that you fell on good ground? 
Now, I can tell you, the good ground, and I think of the stony ground, you know, you have some root to you. So that means when problems come, you don't run. You just move forward. God knows exactly what you need every step of the way. And here he's telling the parable, and the parable is actually explained in this chapter, but I just kind of prefaced it and kind of went back to it and kind of showed you that there's four types of people you're going to deal with. You're going to deal with ones that don't understand. You're going to deal with some that are going to accept it and problems are going to come and they're going to run off. Then you're going to deal with some that, that just, they get choked out by the world. But you know what? It's the fourth one that you're trying to harvest. I don't know if you've ever had, how many of you have ever had a Harry and David's package come to your house? It's the fruit. Oh my word. How many of you ever had the Harry and David's pears? I mean, literally you take a bite out of them and it's just like water running down your, it's like you're in heaven. Amen. And they wrap them in gold stuff, that one of them or two of them in there. I have to tell my daughter when they come, I've got a lady that always gives me one for Christmas. I always have to tell my daughter, I have to limit her how many pears she can eat a day. Because she'll sit there and eat all of them. And I'm talking about Meredith. And if she's listening, I'm sorry, but you do it every year. (laughs) And she'll sit there and eat three or four of them and say, Dad, look what I ate, and there's nothing left. One time I ate it and I got it down. I, I probably got it down to this. And she took the pear that I had eaten and ate everything else except the seeds. I was like, what is wrong with you? Act like me, amen? Praise God. But you know, when you get something good, it's great. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 25. Go back to our original passage, and I want to talk to you about sowing and reaping. Because if you, if you want to know what sowing and reaping is, you've got to go to Genesis. Because I'm just going to, we're going to go through this pretty quick. We're going to, there's about three or four chapters I'm going to talk about real quick, and I want you to see this. See, in, in Genesis chapter 25, we talked about how it ended. And what happened is Esau sold his birthright. And that meant a lot to them, them in biblical times. Then if you go in chapter, and I'm not going to go through all the verses, but if you go in chapter um, 32, you see Jacob's plan. Jacob and his mother plan this whole thing. And he wants to be blessed, so what does he do? The problem is, him and Esau are twins. Esau was born first, so he gets the birthright. But he wants that blessings from his father, so he has to do something, and him and his mother scheme. And what do they do? They get, a, they get some animal coverings and put it on him because, see, Esau's very hairy and his brother is not. And in fact, one time his dad is talking to him and says, you have Jacob's voice, but you have Esau's arms. Now, I don't know how you pull that one off, but at the very end, he blesses him again. So now he sold his birthright, and now... He's, got, he's got been blessed by his father, and Esau wants that blessing. He comes in, and he, he says, now who are, after Jacob's already done this, and Esau says, he comes in and says, Dad, this is me. He goes, well, you, what, who are you? And he says, this is your son that you love. You reap what you sow. Because there's a portion of Scripture, and I want you to see this. I want you to go to verse number 30, chapter number 32. Here he sold his birthright, he's tricked his dad, and, verse, and, and chapter 32 comes into play. Um, chapter 32 comes into play, that's, that's where he does all these things, and, he, and Jacob's concerned about what's going to happen. He's going to see his brother again. So he starts giving him all these gifts. He sends him all the way, and he actually schemes to, to break his family up into two different groups. Many years have passed, and his, his, his plan is that if he attacks one, 
he's, the other one can get away. And as you, as you think about that, it's interesting that he is thinking this, this way. Why was he thinking this way? Because he's, he's reaping what he has sown. And his, his father, and I want to tell you something. You, you can look this up in the Bible and you can see that the manly man out of the two was not Jacob. It was Esau. Esau was the one you didn't want to mess with. You could just see he, he's, he's burly, he's hairy, he's going to do everything he can. You'd be scared when you see him. And so he knows that his brother's coming. And why is he concerned? Because he knows what he's done to him. There's a guilty part of him that you go, well, I, I wouldn't act that way if my brother came. No, you wouldn't because you didn't treat your brother like the way he treated him. And I love, I love, see what happens is we read these stories and we know what the end of the story is. But I want to read three verses and I want you to see this. Here, he, he knows his brother's coming. He's got it all set up and he sent him all these gifts. And I want you to look in, ver, in chapter 33 and I want you to read the first three verses. Follow along with me the first three verses. It says, And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with, with him 400 men. <laughs> oh, wow. He's thinking, he's brought these men. Keep reading. And he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And you know what's interesting about this is what he did to his dad he turns around and does to Joseph. Do you not think that? He, he had a favorite out of all of them. That's why Joseph had to leave. His brothers wanted to kill him because his dad had a favorite. So he puts him in a higher point. That's very important because he's trying to get him as far away as he possibly can from Esau. And then in verse number three, it says, and he pa- I'm sorry, let's go to verse eight. Verse number three. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Now I want to tell you, when I was reading this, if I read the first six words of verse four, I wonder what Jacob is thinking. He's got these 400 men. He's got all of his people divided. He's got them in the right order so he can keep the ones that he likes. He's playing favorites again. Watch these first six words. And Esau ran to meet him. I wonder what he's thinking right there. He's got these 400 men and here comes Esau, his big burly brother that he has treated wrong and he has done things wrong. And sure, some of it was Esau's fault. I wonder what he thought. Is he going to kill me? What's he going to do? When I was at, when I was at college, I, I walked out of the dorm one day and um, had my briefcase in my hand and I was going over to, going over to the chapel and I had my briefcase in my hand, and I never forget this day. I walked out of the, I just walked out of the door, and when I turned and I looked this way, there were four police officers, guns drawn, pointing at me. And they said, "Don't move." Can I tell you something? I didn't move. I'm like, I'm I wanted to say, I'm just going to chapel. Is there something illegal? Have we outlawed that too? And I don't know about you, I did the manly thing. They had their guns drawn. Then all of a sudden they started running. They were from like me to Brother Shoot. And I did the manly thing. I dropped my briefcase. <laughs> I did move with that. I dropped my briefcase and just shut my eyes and just waited for them to hit me. 
and I heard them go beside me. I was like, what just happened? And I looked behind me, and about five feet behind me, they're wrestling with a guy with a gun himself. See, I didn't know it. I'm walking out of the dorm. <laughs> I don't walk like that, but I was walking out of the dorm, and all of a sudden, right when I walked out the dorm, a guy was on the top of our roof with a one-story building. He had jumped off, and he was right behind me. Little did I know, at that one point, I had five guns pointed at me. But I can tell you, when they were running, my adrenaline, my, my, my heartbeat was off the charts. And you know what? No one tried to console me. I had to go back in, and, and I, I felt like I was going to be sick. And here these police officers are wrestling with him, and he had just robbed a bank, and he's right behind me. At any given time, I could have been there. I could have been his, um, what do you call it, shield. But I remember when they were running at me, I didn't know what to think. I wonder what Jacob thought of Esau when he was running at him. You know what I'm thankful for? A man that showed forgiveness. Because when Esau gets to him, he hugs his neck. It's not what Jacob should have gotten. He should have been beaten up from his brother. And remember, Jacob's supposedly the spiritual one. Because if you talk about anybody in the Bible and you talk about Jacob and Esau, Esau's never the spiritual one. He's always the world. But Jacob's the spiritual one. But here the world is running towards him, hugs his neck, and he looks at his brother and says, listen, everything that you gave me, I didn't need. I don't want them, you can keep them. And Jacob goes, no, you can keep them because of basically the way that I treated you. And you know what? They went off as friends. Why did Jacob act the way that he did? Why did he think the things that he did? Because he was just reaping the harvest that he had sown. He had reaped the harvest that he had sown. What was Esau doing? He had reaped something and done something good with it. That's why later on, what is Jacob's son's name? Let's go back to it. Go to verse number two. Rachel and Joseph. Joseph, in turn, would have to wait over 20 years to forgive his brothers. We, gotta re we reap what we sow. We need to do what's right. So what in your life, is when problems are coming, ask yourself two questions. God, what are you trying to teach me? Second question is, what have I done? Because if you've done something, make it right and move forward. You reap what you sow. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Just a second, we're going to have an invitation. You know, sometimes I think the devil gets in, in our minds and say, if I, if I pray or if I, if I show any type of thing that people will think I'm bad, that's not what people at this church will do. Sometimes we reap what we sow. Maybe we gossip about people. People gossip about you. Maybe it's your tongue. Maybe it's your foe. You're, you're not as friendly as you need to be, and you can't figure out why you don't have as many friends as you should. Friend must show himself friendly. Maybe your faith is not as strong as it was, or it could be. Because maybe you're not reaping that faith to grow. 
Later on, you could sow that and you could get it all back and your, and your faith would be strengthened. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know that there's a God that wants you to do what's right. And the principle of sowing and reaping is there. That's why when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, if someone slaps you in the face, turn the other cheek. Because our natural, our natural reaction to that is slap, slap them back. That's not what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to reap good things. And sure, I know people in here have been treated wrong. I've been treated wrong. But it doesn't matter what people do to me. It matters what I do to other people. I want to sow goodness. I want to sow righteousness. I want to sow joy, temperance. I want to sow, sow long-suffering. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. But ask God, what is he trying to teach you? Is it something that I've done? Because I, I can get it fixed if I just know that, what I've done. And God will show you what it is. And we serve a great God. We serve a great God. Lord, I thank you so much for these people. I thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their spirit. Good to have Bobby and Virginia back. Lord, I miss them and I'm so thankful they're here. Lord, I, I don't know what some people in this room are going through. But I do know when I go through things and I ask these two questions, God, what are you trying to teach me? Show me what you're trying to teach me. And if there's anything that I've done that I can get right. Lord, you're always there to correct me. Lord, thank you so much for the sowing and reaping principle. May we reap things that are great things because we've sown great things. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you could stand for us. In just a second, they're going to start playing the piano. But let me tell you this. With no one looking around, if you don't know Christ as your Savior and you don't have Him in your heart, you're not reaping the right thing. Salvation is something that you need to reap, and guess what? You'll sow it to other people. Man, I am so thankful that, that Christ came into my heart. I am so thankful that I reap that. And so now I sow that. Now let me ask you this on this other side of it. If you're a Christian and you're sowing bad thoughts or bad things, what do you think you're going to reap? It's a biblical principle. It's nothing new under the sun. You say, well, Pastor Weiner, there's, there's things in my life that I need to get right. Just like me, every week I've got to get things right. How many of you, have, with no one looking around, how many of you have done something wrong this week? Raise your hand all over the auditorium. You know what you need to do? Get a clean slate. That way you don't sow that later. Get it right. It's the Holy Spirit coming into you and telling you, hey, your conscience is telling you you did something wrong. Get it settled. 